Oi, oi, and welcome to a very special edition of the Orient Outlook podcast. This is a very special broadcast with me, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, the bearded legend, the very handsome South Stand chum, Mr. Paul Levy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. On Friday, the 27th of April, saw us combine with the Orient Hour to host a very special end of season evening with Nigel and Kent. So, over the next two hours, over two parts, you'll hear some exclusive information that Kent and Nigel revealed, such as pre season tour information and how many kits will be available next season. Yeah, they were also asked a broad range of questions, and as always, they were honest and informative with their answers. So a massive thank you to everyone who attended the event and thank you to the panel, which included Ken Teague. Yeah, obviously. Nigel Travis. Dave Victor. Kevin Dickinson. Andy Gilson. And obviously the host, Chris Hood. Yeah, so it was a wonderful evening. And thanks in advance for listening. And we hope you enjoy it as much as we did co-hosting it. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, a rather special evening, actually. Um, I'm Chris Hood, host of the Orient Hour on uh, Phoenix FM. Um, for those listening uh, to the recording of the show, it's the Friday before the final game of the season. Uh, we're here at Leighton Orient Supporters Club uh, with a live audience. Make yourself known. Uh, tonight's show uh, special for a couple of reasons. Uh, the Orient Hour and Orient Outlook, we've maintained a, a healthy rivalry for the last two seasons, uh, one of which I hope has pushed us, pushed us on to create uh, two shows uh, that you, the fans, can be proud of. No one's been able to break the Cold War until tonight, uh, as the Orient Hour and Orient Outlook finally joined together for this show to be broadcast on both outlets. There is only really two men that could do this, uh, and that's, again, what makes this show special again tonight. We're joined by uh, Orient Chairman Nigel Travis and Vice Chair and Principal Investor Kent Teague. Uh, also, in also in attendance on your panel tonight, uh, Ozone's Dulcet Dave Victor, uh, Andy Gilson from the Orient Hour, and Orient Outlook's uh, Paul Levy and Steve Nussbaum. Oy oy. Uh, and last but not least, on the end of the panel, former O, Kevin and Dickinson. Kevin and Dickinson. <laughs> Kevin Dickinson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your panel tonight. Uh, now, tonight's show um, is also in dedication as well to uh, Orient supporter uh, Craig Wilson, uh, who passed away this week at the age of 56 from uh, cancer. Uh, best wishes to Craig's family and friends, and indeed, uh, we also dedicate tonight uh, to any of the Orient family uh, that we have lost this season. Uh, so we've got lots of questions uh, from the fan base tonight, uh, plus the opportunity of questions from the floor. Uh, budget has been extended to some cue cards, which we will uh, distribute during the break as well. So without further ado, I, I suppose the place to start is uh, with one game to go, uh, and we'll start with the boys next to me first. Uh, what are your views of the season? Go on. All right, OK. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was probably a bit too overly optimistic thinking that we would walk this league um, as probably a lot of fans uh, did um, but then the realisation and the realism kicks in that the teams in this league aren't that great and they're going to nick a goal and we're going to make mistakes and they're going to defend for their lives and I hadn't factored any of that in I hadn't factored in the fact that we'd also just got in 15 new players and they didn't know each other I just thought well we've got Joby we've got Dave Mooney back we've started, we've paid good money for Macaulay Bond must be good um, Charlie Granger you know good, good young keeper good reputation and I thought to myself yeah feel quite confident here that we'll be looking at a back you know we'll, we'll bounce straight back up but yeah no that soon died 
um, that thought, to be honest. And um, now, where we are, I'm actually quite delighted. Um, I'm really happy that, that we are safe, secure, we're in good hands on the field, off the field. Um, and I think actually, whilst it's been a difficult season, actually, I think looking back retrospectively now, I'm actually really quite happy. Steve? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a season of two halves, really. I think we can all agree we've got to a decent start and then went on a 15-game winless run. And Steve, unfortunately, had to leave the club. I think since Justin's come in, I think he was the right appointment. He's made us hard to beat. I thought we made good additions to the squad in January and things have got better. And I think we're all kind of coming out of the season now optimistic to see what can be done next season. I think we only need three or four additions, really. Be interesting to see who Justin brings in in the summer, and if we can start next season like we're finishing this season by Tuesday night, I think um, next season could be a really exciting time for Leighton Orient Football Club. Um, Dave, when we look in the history books, will this season go down as a, as a success or a failure? Dave Victor. I think off the field it's been a fantastic success. You've got to say a big well done and thank you to Kenton to Nigel and the board of directors. It's been a recovery and I think we will never know just how broken this precious football club was on the 21st of June. Um, I, I can remember a very early interview with Kent and he described Lake Norrent as a gem of a club and I think that's a, a lovely way of summing up something that's very special to us. And I think uh, the fact that the supporters have turned up home and away in numbers more than they were in League One is in absolutely incredible. And I think it shows just how much Lake Norrent means. Uh, I think um, Paul is absolutely right. Uh, the National League has taken us by surprise. Uh, I thought Joby was very interesting post-match on Tuesday after a very poor display uh, on the last home game of the season. He talked about the mentality of the club and he said there is no excuses now. And I think that's absolutely right because everything off the pitch seems to be in place. And the right thing to do now is to get it right on the pitch. And looking back on the season, there have been some performances that have been really impressive. And recently, the home game uh, last Saturday against uh, Wrexham, I think uh, all of us who saw it, would have gone home thinking we're moving in the right direction. And we probably couldn't believe the contrast between uh, Saturday and Tuesday night. And there's been one or two matches where I've interviewed managers and they just look shocked. Um, <coughs> Steve Davis looked shocked after Bromley. Um, Ross Embleton looked shocked after Torquay. And um, Justin Edinburgh looked absolutely stunned after the home game with um, Gateshead. And I think Joe B was absolutely right when he said it's about the mentality now. Because there is no doubt that Leighton Orient had the better players at Hartlepool and against Maidenhead recently. But we didn't get the chance, didn't take the chances at Hartlepool and we didn't even create them against Maidenhead and that's the challenge now uh, for Justin Edinburgh but I think Justin is definitely the right man and I've been very very impressed by the way in which he has always taken responsibility and he's always pushed the players further to take that responsibility and it's not good enough to say teams are going to raise their game because they come to Brisbane Road that's what you expect and late night and have to raise their game even higher but as Joby says it's about the mentality now. Andy? Well, I'll wait for Dave to get the applause. <laughs>
think Dave asked me a question. I popped over to Dave's Ozone at half time uh, on, the, on the weekend and he asked a question, reasons to be positive from this season, which is a similar question. And we said, first and foremost, that we're still here and we're in existence is a, is a major positive because we really didn't know, did we, until these gentlemen stepped in. I think the the... Bringing in of Justin is absolutely vital to how our season's uh, turning around now, and uh, the club's on the up. I think Justin, you know, he, he he saw the problems very quickly, and he acted upon them very quickly within the restraints that he's got to work with at the moment. Um, but I think that's the major thing that we found a manager who's got a little bit up the top there and knows what he's doing, and I think that's uh, is absolutely vital going forward. And. Uh, well, you know, another positive this season is, I think, you know, a veteran, Joby McEnough, I think his attitude and his application on the pitch has been fantastic and he's led by example out there. And I, th- I think, you know, for, for someone of his age out there to be performing week in, week out at that level, excellent. A very good reason to be positive. Kev, what, what have you been looking at from, a, from an ex-pro's point of view? How have you seen it? The season, I think there's been some good, there's been some bad and there's been some indifferent. There's a good start where we, we was up to near the top of the table. Then we had the 15 game where we couldn't win a match. Obviously, change of manager. I think Justin coming in has certainly turned the season around. I think he has experience at this level. He's been successful at this level. And I think going forward for next season, uh, with Justin having a full pre-season, there'll obviously be changes in the summer. He'll bring in some players, no doubt about that. And I think next season, really, there's, there's no excuses. We should be in and around the playoffs and pushing to get out of this league. Well, then, from a, from a chairman's point of view, um, how, how would you sum up 2017-2018, Nigel? <clears throat> um, I, I think the first thing I would say is I get asked this a lot because a lot of people are interested in the States in what it's like to own an English uh, football team. I'm sure Kent gets asked the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say... Would I do it again? Absolutely. And would I put more money in? Absolutely. Now, don't, don't, take, <laughs> don't take it, I'm going to put more money in. But, uh, I think, you know... It, you weren't until just then. <laughs> um, what, what I'd say is it's been, it's been fun. And life's about fun. I mean, this is a football team. This is, you know, as I said... I think earlier in the year I had the misfortune to go to Parkland after the shootings down there and attend two funerals. Uh, that puts it all into context. This is this is enjoyment, and this is supposed to be a community club. And I think, you know, I want to give credit to Kent because I think he demonstrates what this club's about. His ability to walk around and engage with fans is unparalleled, uh, and he's added so much. But I think. Not only we got our club back, we got our culture back. And, you know, a couple of things have happened this year I'm really pleased about. And I won't comment about the field because I basically agree with everything that's been said. You know, Kevin said it, good, bad and the ugly uh, and and the mediocre. Um, uh, What I would say, two things happened this year that I was really pleased with. One is when people come on loan, they don't want to leave. That says a lot about the whole culture that we've established. I mean, Josh Colson been a prime example. And then secondly, I think it was the game against Ebbsfleet when I was here. Two guys came up to me and they were journalists 
following Ebbsfleet and they said, are you the chairman? I said, yeah. They said, let me tell you, we go to lots of clubs. This is the best and friendliest club we've ever been to. Everyone is so helpful. That's what Leighton Orient's about. I mean, this should be a friendly family club. And, you know, I think it's been great. And I'm very optimistic about next year. Kemp, what's your, your introduction to the English game been like this year? <laughs> uh, it's a lot like going to a theme park. <laughs> and you see a roller coaster in front of you and you decide, yeah, I'm going to ride that roller coaster. We're going to go up. We're going to go down. We're going to be scared. We're going to be happy. We're going to be thrilled. Now the question is, do you want to ride it again? Absolutely. Can't wait for the next season. The thing I'm most proud of is that we stopped the drop. We are no longer a club that did or could have gone down three of four instead of just two of three. That was the main thing, stop the drop. We did that. We layered in a certain ability of foundation that's shown up in the second half of the season from a next year perspective, from both a playing side and from a commercial side. Uh, I think the other thing that I'm most proud of is uh, the fan interaction and the fan acceptance of a absolutely insane Texan. Um, and my friend, Nigel, asked me to be a part of his family club, and I am very fortunate to feel like that it is now my family club too. So that's the part that really makes me the most happy. And I really am excited about next season. Really am. I think we're going to do great things. It doesn't mean we're getting promoted. I just think it's just going to be a crazy great. They, they've designed a new roller coaster for us next year, and we're about to get on it. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, obviously, when we've spoken to you um, earlier in the season, Kent, we know uh, what a sore loser you are a little bit and, and don't like losing. Who does like losing? Um, is, is the season been tinged with a little bit of dis disappointment for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there are certain sections of Leighton that now are laced with so many F-bombs that the <laughs> residents do not enjoy me walking down that street after <laughs> a loss. So, yeah, it's, it, of course it's been disappointing. It was really tough in the 15 games. Um, it was hard for me because there's not really anything Nigel or I or the board can do on an immediate basis in those situations. We have to sort of let some things play out the way they play out, and then we have to respond or react to those situations. So, uh, but losing is awful, drawing is almost as bad, and um, you know, I love to win. So yeah, it, I am surprised a little bit at how much I care um, because I actually care more than I thought I would, which is a great thing for us as a club. But um, I thought, well, you know, we'll lose. I know, you know, we're not going to win all 46. Well, not this year. <laughs> so, you know, but, yeah, it's that it's a it's I hate to lose. And what I hate the most is I hate coming into the supporters club and walking around and talking to the fans in the ground and I can see the pain on their faces for how badly we've performed. 
that's really what causes me the most pain, is the pain I can see in your eyes of knowing that we could have done better. Quick follow-up question then um, on, on that point, because your take to the club has been sort of quite infectious, and to have somebody from outside the club come in and take to it as if you've been a supporter for as long as Nigel has, for example, is, is as a fan that's I'm sort of quite junior by comparison to a lot of people at nearly 30 years, but um, what, what was it that kept your, your appetite, your hunger, and, and, and for you to, to be so drawn into the club? What, what has it been about us as a club then that's, that sort of what do you th- dragged what do you, you in? Think about, what do you think about that? I mean, you know um, me well enough to no, know. No, 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 I'm asking I'm asking. No, I know, I know, you. but let's, let's hear <laughs> what he has out. to say. I'll, no, I'll, I'll answer. I just want to hear what Nigel's thoughts well, are on something like that. Okay, so I'm Because he knows that, see, he's going to give you the historical version, and I'm going to give you the last, you know, 11-month version. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to do it through your eyes. I mean, I think we've all been shocked by the, the marvels of our fans. I mean, it is simply incredible. I mean, we cannot praise the fans enough. Um, so I think we're all, I wouldn't say surprised, we knew, but I think it, it was even better than we thought it would be. So mm-hmm. that's, as you said, infectious. I think we've got a board that truly likes each other. That's, that helps. And Agreed. We've been meeting every week. Thank God we don't meet at 5.30 in the morning like we used to. But, uh, I yeah, but that, but, but actually, that's a lesson. Because we spent nearly three months doing that, five thirty every morning U.S. time or four thirty your time. Correct. Um, that was a foundation team building. I mean, mm-hmm. we got to know each other. I mean, we got to remember. All all I knew on the ball was really David. I knew Matt a bit. Certainly didn't know you. Yeah. Didn't know Marshall, who turned up on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, literally, sent me an email. You, you knew Rich. I knew Rich, but don't forget, Rich literally, and Rich you know, he'll be listening to this because he listens even more than I do to all this. <laughs> uh, he knew absolutely zippo about soccer, but that was a that Football. was an asset because right. you know oh. I've never smoked in my life, but I served on a tobacco board. I asked all the stupid questions. Right. So I think the ball was special. Mm-hmm. I think also, I think, you know, when I first talked to Leighton Orient, you'd done some work previously on it. I had. I don't think people realise what a big club this is. And I Great. think that was Great. attractive to you. It was. Um, and I think there is a certain magic of going up and down. I mean, I always talk at Duncan that we play 365 days a year, which is true, because every morning at 5.30 numbers from yesterday come out mm-hmm. and you know it's like winning and losing every day but and I think there's a certain there's a certain drug that goes with this that is infectious and I, I'm always amazed by the enthusiasm because you guys do all this work voluntarily I mean the podcast I listen to in the car you know Andy all the work you do Kevin Dave I mean you know, these are the people that keep this club going. I mean, it's easy to talk about Macaulay, who's had a fantastic year, but the club is everyone. It's all these people here. And I, I think it's truly everything coming together that's been what you liked. Mm-hmm. Is all that fair? Yeah, absolutely. It's all very fair. See, you didn't answer their question. <laughs> well. <laughs> he asked you to do that. <laughs> I, he always does. <laughs> but I, well. Is there anything to add to that, Ken? 
Because, um, you know, you're it's in the, a, it's, you're a, in the way it's, it's, um, uh, let me just put it this way. My mother fell in love just as fast as I did. So my mom and dad came for four days, and they absolutely fell in love with this club, just head over heels. She won't top, stop texting me. She won't stop emailing me. She won't leave me alone. It's terribly awful on my part to have to deal with her all the time over it. <laughs> and so it's, I, I think that culturally you guys think that you're hard to fall in love with maybe a little bit. But I can tell you that you are actually very easy to fall in love with, especially as a club. You have a very unique history that makes it easy to to segment or differentiate the identity, which also helps. And you've also got an amazing level of passion for the game, an amazing level of passion for the community, and an amazing level of passion for each other. It's actually easy for me to fit right into that level of passion. Uh, and those are the things that I think about from a, you know, why has it been so easy? It's not hard. Look, when we all agree on everything, some of us are not needed anymore. So it's okay that we disagree. It's kind of like a family. I have a family. We disagree every once in a while. Most of the time we agree on some stuff, but not everything. And so it feels like a family to me. So it's very easy for me to feel like I'm part of your family and our family. That's the reason. So, so it's interesting that my other son, my 13-year-old Ian, who roams around the place when he comes here, he, when we were going through the whole purchase or potential purchase of the club last year, he, he did a blow-by-blow -blow with two of his teachers at school in Boston, in, in Wellesley, in Dover actually, the school. And the, the, they're married, these, this couple, and one is the Spanish teacher and the other is the fifth grade teacher, uh, sixth grade teacher, and they came over after hearing all about Lake Norrie. I mean, they, they actually made a trip here last year to see a game. Now, unfortunately, the shop was shut and they couldn't buy all the merchandise, but I have to get Danny sorting that out. I mean, um, but they just fall in love with the place. And I was talking to this teacher the other day, and we got a trip for some players and people coming up in June to over to Wellesley and I told them that Joby was coming and uh, a few other players were coming I mean they just think it's the greatest thing mm -hmm. and I think that the point I'm making is that your point this club is so easy to fall in love with correct and once you come you're hooked absolutely I mean uh, obviously that, that the 15 game uh, period was was terrible it was probably worse than any of us could have envisioned uh, how worried were, were you when it was going on because obviously uh, uh, as well as the terrible run you're quite remote from it uh, as well how how worrying was that um it was it, it was worrying and disappointing i mean you know kent described it well it's a roller coaster we started the season well we then hit that drop i mean I read some of the criticism at the time about Steve Davis. I mean, we all chose Steve, and I, I truly like Steve. I think you all like Steve. You all met him. What a great guy! Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I truly hope whether the forum's got it right or not, he gets the Chester job. Um, 
and but Steve's a terrific individual and his family's a terrific family. So we went through this really terrible emotion of what do we do about it? But well, we like Steve. Uh, so we were worried. We talked about it every week. We talked to Steve about it. I mean, you have to handle situations as they come up. I mean, results are results. And it's a cliche to say we're in a results-driven business, but you are. I mean, the worst thing that could have happened to this club was to go down. I never truly believed we would, but then, I suppose if I'm honest, I never thought we would when we started last year okay. You know? Uh, remember we won the first game last year, wasn't it? 3-1 at, was it Colchester or some? No, Cheltenham. No, it was 1-1. One, one. One, one. That's right. But we started okay. Um, so, I, th I think we were probably more worried than we realised, but it was a very difficult time. If I remember correctly, we went back to daily calls during that time. Yeah, we did. And, and you know... We were worried. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we're not... We're crazy, but we were still worried. Fear is really easy. Um, fear is probably the easiest emotion to uh, engage in. So were we worried? Yeah. Were we scared? Yeah. Were we fearful? Yeah. Were we, uh, did, could we see it in your faces and in your eyes and in the comments and on the forums and on Twitter and everywhere? Yeah, absolutely. We were, uh, this is a family show, so we were just scared. How about that? <laughs> and, and that's okay because it caused us to reevaluate some things and make some changes and, and those changes worked out well in our favor. They don't always work out well in your favor. But in this particular case, it worked out really well. Were we scared? Yeah. Should we have been? Yes. Did we do the right things? Did we follow some process? Did we re-engage in a more frequent manner? Yeah. And, and it worked out. So how do we handle that in the future? I don't know. But, uh, and I don't think we would handle it any differently then, th now. I, I, think we, I think we did the right things. I think we took about the right amount of time. Some of us wanted to do things quicker. Some of us wanted to do a little slower. That's part of working in a group. Um, but were we worried? <laughs> My dog was worried, I promise you that. <laughs> how much attention or how much do you actually pay attention to the forums and the Twitters and the Facebooks and how much sort of not credibility but how much do you actually think oh actually that's a good point we must implement that or we must take that on board how much do you actually sort of pay well, attention to it so to speak I, th I think all our board are very voracious readers um, mm -hmm. I mean I read lots of newspapers every day um, all, up, all over the world um, the forum I read absolutely everything because it's easy to read. Uh, I don't do Twitter and Facebook, uh, but others do. That's mine. Um, I mean, I listen to a podcast that, I'd listen to it in the car actually, it's very good listening in the car. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, I get an awful lot of feedback from him, my 13 year old, because he follows Instagram, even tells me players we should look at, which are usually communicated to Martin, so. Um, uh, actually, he gave one last week, and Martin said, "Yeah, this this guy that Ian came up with seems pretty good." Um, <laughs> True. Um, True. Yeah, you sat there, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so I think we're pretty clued into what's going on, and 
you know, I'm, I've got a book coming out later this year about the challenge culture. I don't really worry about the criticism. I mean, everyone should have their say. That's part of being a club. And, uh, you know, people can say what they like about things like the Dream Team or what. And by the way, last week I phoned up three fans personally and we had great discussions. And I think I turned one person around and I probably didn't turn around one and the other one's still thinking about it, but that's fine, that's life. You know, life's about making choices and everyone's got different views and we live in a democracy and, you know, people can choose to spend their money here or not and we're the owners of the club. So they have the right to say what they want and we encourage them to keep doing it. Yeah, thank you. I mean, Nigel, you, you spoke there about um, it being disastrous for the club had it been successive relegations what I mean what we're we talking you've, you've obviously it must have been discussed if you, if you were that worried about what the club could look like in in a lower division I mean not I mean Kent saying no you, but but what, what do you think would that's have happened? not that's not the discussion the, the the discussion is not about does the club look fundamentally different <laughs> we're still going to be at matchroom stadium we would still be at Matchroom Stadium. We would probably have the same players that we have now. They were under t some of them are under two-year contracts. Um, we don't know if we would have drawn as many fans or not. Um, we might have scaled back in some areas, but we would we fundamentally, as a club, would not have gone under or changed or anything like that. I don't. I, we've talked about this before, and and I'll say it again. We have funded the club fully. The money is sitting in the UK. It's not sitting in my bank account. And it's not in Nigel's bank account. The money is sitting in the UK in a bank ready for the next three years. It's just sitting there waiting. So if we go up, it's waiting. If we go down, it's waiting. Do we adjust? Yes, we adjust. But do we do these drastic actions that you think happen when a club gets relegated? No, because if you overreact, that's when you can harm the club long term. And you cannot do that. We, Nigel and I, and Nigel specifically mainly, he's required to be the steady hand on the throttle and on the direction. That's his role, is to be the steady hand. I don't seem as steady, and, and you're right, I'm not. I'm a little unsteady, so to speak. And, that, and, and so he, that's his role, is to be steady. So when you think about your club, I want you to think that there are short-term things that we need to get right, and we gotta get them done right, but there's also a long-term path that we're headed down, and if we dip, we dip, but we still go back on that path. That's how we look at it. Um, uh, I was obviously talking with uh, with Dave Victor last week, and it, it really has been a season of, of two halves. Um, um, we'd, we'd take uh, Mr. Victor to take uh, this one first. Would you have preferred to have been on that constant mid-table position where we look like finishing, or have you somewhat st uh, statistically enjoyed the the up and down that we've been experiencing, the the, the low and then the run towards the end of the season? 
I've never looked at it like that. I don't think there's been a choice. I felt very uh, disappointed on behalf of Steve Davis. I don't think he had a lot of luck in terms of injuries. And as everybody said, uh, um, he, he took a lot of respect for um, because he is such a genuine and nice fellow. And, it, and uh, you saw the uh, loss of Charlie Lee and then, of course, uh, Big George and Josh Coulson in the same game. Uh, and he just didn't have the, the opportunity, really, to, I think, show what a good coach he is. Um, the other turning point, I think uh, was at Sullyhull. That's the probably the only game where I, I really worried, and I worried at the end of the match, and I worried with the reaction between the, the players and the supporters. It, 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 it was ugly, um, and immediately after that, I spoke to Justin Edinburgh, and I was so impressed because Justin took responsibility for what happened, and you, it would have been so easy for him to have said, "Well, I've just been here." You know, this isn't my team. This isn't my match. You know that I've only just arrived. Probably had the lads on on the on the pitch uh, for a day, but he didn't. He took responsibility for that result and that performance. And you just thought, this is the turning point. And I think it was because uh, he was already talking about we, and that we have to um, learn from what's just happened. It was it. Um, and it was possibly a contrast to Steve Davis. There were occasions when uh, Steve was actually quite critical of individual players in a way that I don't think Justin ever would be because he does take that responsibility. And as a result, I think um, he's, he's, he feels more like a, a manager and a, and a leader. And I think as a result, we had that lovely little run of results, didn't we, um, around Christmas. And at that time, I think we all thought that who knows, something might actually happen here. And again, there was that dip. And again, he had real problems not with injuries so much but the illness and I think that that bug that seemed to hit the team for those two three weeks when he had a lot of games I think sort of took the stuffing out of what the, the season may have had I think it certainly had a huge bearing on the replay at Gateshead when we came so close and I think it is such a shame that this season isn't going to finish at Wembley in terms of disappointment I think Nigel and Kent in particular deserved their day out at Wembley it would have been a lovely way to have finished what has been uh, I think a season of achievement I think uh, so much has been achieved off the pitch um, but we move on to next season and really I never really want to see Lake Noyant play in the FA Trophy let alone win it I want to see Lake Noyant back where they belong and that's the Football League actually it was interesting today uh, I had a short taxi ride earlier and I was talking on the phone about Leighton Orient and the guy said, oh, do you support Leighton Orient? So I said, no, no, I've got a position there, so I explained. He supports um, Bromley and they're taking 12 and a half, that he said, 12 and a half thousand and this was numbers two weeks ago. So think how many we would have taken to Wembley. I mean, that would have been spectacular, but that's the way it is. Um, Kev, looking at obviously at Steve Davis and then into Justin Edinburgh. What, from a technical point of view, what do you think that Justin's done? Well, I, want, I don't want to say right or wrong, but what has Justin done that's been more effective in the division? I think we, we definitely have a different style of play now with Justin than we did with Steve. Under Steve, I think we tried to play from the back through midfield, and it, it especially here at, at the Orient, it become a bit predictable. The tempo was too slow, I think. I think under Justin, we definitely get the ball forward quicker. We play on the front foot, and we're definitely more difficult to beat. But you know, I, I think the way—and it's no disrespect to Steve—I don't know Steve as a person, 
But um, I think the way we play now is probably more suited to this division and to get out of this division than maybe the way we was playing under Steve Davis. But having said that, as Dave has already said, Steve was very unlucky, lost key players to injury straight away after three or four games. And then, you know, after 15 games not winning, the only thing that's unfortunately going to change is the manager. You ain't going to change 15 players, are you? It's just unfortunate that's the way things are. And, and the truth is, Steve, obviously with the... Um with the team, it seems to be a more exciting style of football at Brisbane Road that we're seeing. Yeah, I think Justin has, has brought in some good quality players. I think the likes of James Brophy has been phenomenal since he's joined us uh, on a permanent basis. I think he's looking like a real asset to the team. I think Ebu Adams, we all agree, we would all love to stay. And I'm sure that question's coming up, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Um, Joe B has been, he was all right, I'd say, under Steve under Justin completely different player for me so Justin knows what it is required and the style of football to get out of this league and has made us play a more attractive proposition of football but one that ultimately I think is going to get results in the division so yeah we're confident league smart we're a lot more league savvy now whereas before we tried to play nice nice football nice attractive football in a league that that didn't really warrant it or did, did, didn't really allow you to do that. We're not League Two or League One. We're, you know, it's very much get the ball up front as quick as you can and try and make them make a mistake. So I think that's where Justin's come in and added that bit of grit and that bit between our teeth that makes us a bit more savvy. And we're a bit more dirty, a bit more eager to get mud on the shorts and fight for the ball. And as fans, that's what I want to see. I want to see everyone come off limping and mud everywhere as opposed to players who don't look like they've run along for 45 minutes and I think Justin's kind of instilled that fight in the team which maybe wasn't there previously on the pitch and uh, well we mentioned obviously J- James Brophy there and um, I know uh, Kent when you were in uh, with the Orient Hour before you were saying about how the budget had expanded once and then the budget had expanded again uh, was football more expensive in England than you were expecting? No 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 it's not more expensive here than it is anywhere else. It's about the same. What's more expensive is when you field 38 players, which is what we've done this year. So 38 different names have showed up on the shirt on the field for us. 38. That's what got expensive. Um, So no, it's not more expensive than I thought. We have a budget. We kind of adhere to that budget in a certain way making sure that we've kind of, you know, there are things that come in, there are things that go out, maybe some other things came in that we didn't expect, maybe some other things have gone out that we didn't expect. That's part of running an organization. There is the known and there is the unknown. And here, there is some unknown. But, you know, we're going to have some unknown next year too. It's okay. But it's not more expensive than I thought. No. And then... Obviously, we, we all want to know about um, Macaulay Bond is the big yes. one that we want to know about. Correct. Um, everybody has a price. Yep. I'm not going to ask you to name the price right here and now. But Ten million pounds. <laughs> is, that, is, is that a gin? Ten million. I've asked Martin Ling, ten million pounds. So it's ten. And my wife goes with him. <laughs> and my, and my a, wife. It's a two-for-one two deal. <laughs> no, no, no. My wife's going to tell y'all I'm going with Macaulay. That's what she's going to tell you. So obviously you've decided 
there um, discussions with with Ebu Adams has, has yes. much happened there or is he obviously just something Martin's dealing with well yeah Martin and Justin are both dealing with it and uh, Ibu Ablunt that's the correct way of saying it uh, you know we've talked to him we're going to be talking to him at the end of the season which I think is in precisely about 18 hours time um, so we're very keen to bring him in uh, Kent and I I won't reveal what we said had a long discussion this afternoon with Martin about it put it this way we're enthusiastic about the intent yes um, so again I've read all the comments we're going to do everything we can yeah. and we want him here at Lake Norian sure we do and uh, to be fair to him he did ask weeks ago if he could just focus on the football and not have to go through a negotiation situation until after the season was finished. And so we have continued to pester him and ask his agent if he still feels that way, but he has continued to say, we're gonna get it taken care of, let me focus on the football side of it, let's just, you know, it's, it's all gonna be okay. Now, I'm sure it's gonna be all okay for him because he is an excellent player and he will end up somewhere, you know, where he deserves to be. So and he's a smart young man as and well. And he is, he is, he is. So it's, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah, we want him. Yeah, he knows we want him. I told him we wanted him even after Tuesday night. Yeah, he knows. So uh, obviously we touched a little bit on, on, on Martin there. Is, it, is Martin's role, do you think, changed as the season goes on from from the moment that he was appointed and it it just seems obviously to fans that that, that Justin Edinburgh has taken a lot more of an active role in okay. transfers than maybe Steve did well mm. uh, really I, I don't think people actually understand Martin's role as they should do firstly let, let me just say things I've said before I think Martin Ling deserves a huge round of applause for what he's done this year I mean, to get a club on the 22nd of June, knowing you've got a few friendlies that have been set up by the predecessors that you didn't really think were the right fixtures and you had young players and those senior players to get the squad together. Uh, I would say any of you go back to your work and go and hire whatever the number is, 20, 22 people, quickly, be them accounting, folk, engineers, product people, whatever, you know, you're going to make a few mistakes. And we may have made a few mistakes, but Martin's done a spectacular job. But I think there is a, a slightly myopic view of his role, that he's just here to bring in players. He runs the academy. And Lewis Spencer, who, by the way, is excellent, who work, runs the academy, reports to Martin. He's also responsible for all this work that we see as a significant future revenue stream in terms of overseas camps uh, you know we do intend to have our first camp starting in Dover Massachusetts on the 18th of uh, June um, at Charles River School anyone wants to send their kids over there <laughs> we'll give you the rates um, might even put up a few people at their house but anyway um, you know we think that's going to be significant Martin's responsible for that so Martin's job is much bigger than people think. And again, we make the point that Kent and I both live thousands of miles away. 
And Martin has, I think, a role that's evolved through the year of being the glue upstairs. We talked about it over dinner, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, you know, he has a wonderful understanding of people. He's been through a lot himself, which I think enhances that understanding. And, you know, perhaps the only time I really bristle with criticism is that when I read some of the criticism of Martin from time to time. I think he's done a great job and we truly need him for all the reasons I've said. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the, the way that I think about Martin's role is, is that the things that we asked of him initially was, what are you going to do for us this week? So June the 23rd, what are you going to do? Well, we were actually talking to him a little bit before that, but let's just say June the 23rd, we say, what are you doing for us this week? What are we doing 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 this week? Then all of a sudden we switch to, what are we doing this month? What are we doing this month? What are we doing this month? What are we doing this quarter? What are we doing this quarter? What are we doing this quarter? We get to the January transfer window and we're asking him, what are we going to do the next 18 months? So yes, his role has changed because the requirements of our club have changed on his behalf and in his role. Justin has come in and Justin has a different style uh, than Steve had. So Justin has a different persona and he's, and he's got a different way about him. The ground, the training facility feels different than when Justin's there than when Steve was there. There's a, and so there's a natural interaction. So think about it this way. You can say that Martin is malleable and that he can work with different styles and potentially get the best out of different styles. So one of Martin's great attributes is his ability to sort of morph himself into being able to work well with others when they have different styles than the people he's worked with in the past. Martin does a great job of talent identification uh, and we're, you know, those signings that we're talking about, most of them except for Martin's son, um, are Martin. It's not Steve that's saying, I want, you know, a certain, I mean, uh, uh, Justin says, I want, a, I want this type of player, I want, go find me X. And then Martin and the team go out and find him X. And, and we have options and then we make decisions. So Martin, to me, has done a fantastic job because he, his role has shifted quite a bit from a time frame perspective and what's required of that role has shifted. The summer transfer window now becomes a two-year problem for Martin. Get us the right people for the next two years and we're going to look at them two years at a time. We're not going to look at people longer than that. Fantasy, you guys are in some kind of fantasy if you think we're going to. We're not. Two years, that's all you get. Prove it. Prove you deserve longer than two years by getting another one. But that's how we're going to approach it and that's what Martin's role is. He has so many different hats that he wears on a daily basis. Can you imagine all of the clubs that he has conversations with on a weekly basis about potential loan players. It's unbelievable how often that man's phones, his, his phone rings. His phone rings way often, way more often than mine does and yours too. So he is, he's doing a very, very good job and in some ways a great job, so. Yeah. And, and, and Andy, you'll, you'll know, for you cop the fair amount of criticism on the, on the message boards. Martin does as, as well and, and perhaps very unfairly well because a lot of people as, as Nigel just said don't understand 
the, the multitude of tasks that Martin has to undertake. He isn't just the, the person who signs players, as has already been explained. So I think sometimes if people aren't educated in what's going on, so maybe they've been a lot better, the, the, the board have been a lot better than any previous board with information coming out, but perhaps a little bit more information coming out does quell some of this sort, sort of dissent, if you like, among the ranks. So a little bit more information maybe, although they've been very good with it, I've got to say that. But, um, you know, I think sometimes, though, you're never going to please some of the people. And we've got, we've got to, I hate to say, we've got that, that saying, the keyboard warriors, they're, they're faceless people, they sit behind a keyboard, you know... Um, you know, they're probably 38, 40 years old and mummy's making them tea up downstairs, you know. But, oh um, <laughs> you know they're going to um, love you for that. <laughs> you know, but, uh, really you know. Can't wait to read the forum tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's, 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 it's interesting what you say because um, uh, I think I read a lot of the comments and they are uninformed. I mean, one comment I've read was people were talking about the AGM, which just as a quick reminder is on Sunday, and people say, how can you, someone did the calculation and said they're gonna lose 1.4 million this year. How can you lose 1.4 million? I mean, we're not playing the players a lot of money. Barry Hearn owns the ground. What else is there to pay for? I mean, it was unbelievable. But I think, I, I take your point, Andy. We have to educate. And, and we were very keen to get out information about how the club was doing for the AGM, which I think is important for the, not just the shareholders, but everyone else. But to stop the rumors, I don't know if you've noticed, when we send out the team now, we put all the injured players down. The reason we did that was actually an idea from America. In America, they have on a Friday, they send out the list of players who are probable, possible, etc. in American football. We decided we couldn't do that because it told the competition, or the opponents, what was happening. So we said, when we send the team out, we will say who's injured. Because I kept reading things like, why isn't so-and-so playing? And has he been, you know, going back to the bad old days, is, is, is he on the outs? Well, I don't think anyone's on the outs. <coughs> because Justin has very honest conversations with people. So we've now got the injury report on the bottom of the team sheet. Hopefully, Dave, you've seen that. There's certain things, you you know, you, you can't let people know everything. Obviously, some things yeah. have to stay, for obvious reasons, in-house and confidential. So there'll always be some things that we're not aware of. But um, I say, yeah, I, I just think some of them, though, they just look for a reason to have an argument. I don't know why, but there you go. But that's OK, it's engagement. Yeah, keeps them happy. It's it's way easier to change emotion than it is inactivity or somebody being lethargic or not caring. The, the, the point is, is that we have fans who care so much they will spend the time to voice their opinion. And that's the best part. You can look at it, you can say, I don't like the opinion, therefore I don't like people who give me opinions. But in my, the way I think of it, I love people who are giving the opinions because it means they care enough to give an opinion. That's how I look at it. 
And uh, well, what we'll wrap up uh, this segment in just a minute, let you uh, recharge your glasses. But a um, couple of questions. Uh, Les Kay's asked, um, please ask if you're thinking of setting up an arrangement with a championship or premiership club where we can be, take their promising youngsters on loan like we used to do with Spurs, especially as Nigel has a link to uh, Liverpool. Dave uh, Danu as well. Uh, ask about gaining closer links with Liverpool, giving uh, Nigel's familiarity with them. OK, so, uh, funny enough, we were talking about that earlier today. I mean, we do have a lot of very good relationships. Uh, Liverpool is uh, one. Uh, and we've got another close relationship with Millwall, which many people may not know, but Millwall's chairman lives around the corner from me in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Um, True. And we have a great relationship also with Norwich, with, uh, you and I went through the list, Fulham, Tottenham, Brentford, Brentford, cousin, cousin Martin, Tottenham, cousin of um, Justin. Yeah. So and we have so many relationships. We got, you know, we have a, a, a scout who knows the director of football. And so we get to have conversations with them. I mean, there are multiple clubs across the UK that we, that we have very, that we are going to have much better relations. It's, 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 it's hard to go a week before the season and say, hey, can you give me two of your best players this next year? That's a really hard conversation to have June the 23rd. I, I, I think you will see more of it next year. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, and I think it's an opportunity. But this year has been like working, it's been organized working chaos at times, but that's not a detrimental term. I think you have to go through that in any well, you're the best one to explain this. When you take over a company, a club, or organization, you go through a certain amount of chaos. And I think we've all learned a lot this year. We've mm-hmm. not only learned how to compete in this league, right. you know, despite the fact I've been a fan for 59 years, I've learned a lot about how all this works. And, you know, I've learned a lot from Martin, a lot from Justin. Um, by the way, just going back to Justin, I think one of the greatest things with Justin is I've never seen anyone in my whole career who holds people accountable the way that Justin does is truly excellent. Um, but I think, I think the idea is something that we'll embrace more next year. 